Welcome to Empty Nesters, a podcast designed to inspire, motivate, and offer valuable advice to empty nesters. I'm Felicia Madison, comedian. And I am Nancy Tepper, life coach. Cynthia Perthus is here with us today, and she has a very interesting background. She found herself unemployed in an empty nester and dealing with aging parents. She found the proverbial white space in the market of elder care, and Cynthia decided to launch a new business called Senior Care Authority. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cynthia, we're so happy you could join us on our podcast today. So I'd like to talk to you about how you decided to get into the senior care market. Okay. So I had been on Wall Street for about 30 years, and I had a really fulfilling job at a ratings agency in New York City. And one day I walk in, and that great fulfilling job was gone. And there were about uh, 13 of us all over the age of 50, some who'd been at Moody's for decades, and we didn't have a job. So I decided that I needed to think about, do I want to go to the beach uh, for the rest of my life and work on my yoga headstand, or do I want to continue to do something else? And I had spent some time with my parents and working with my parents in their decline at the end of their lives, and thought I wanted to be in that in that demographic, and I wanted to help people. So there were two pieces to it. I wanted to help people, and I wanted to help people that were in the aging world. And I also wanted to work with my peers who were the baby boomers and a lot of them empty nesters because they were calling me all the time asking me about their parents, not because I was thinking about that business, but because that was what was on their minds every day. So you found yourself unemployed and then um, you had sick parents. Mm -hmm. And so when you went on this journey helping them, you noticed that there was a void in the market. You were confused, you didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And this brought you to aha moment. Yes, it, it was really an aha moment. Um, I spent probably about 10 years from the beginning to the end with my parents and working through um, the situation. That included daily phone calls where we tried to work to stop the madness that's the decline that was going on between the two of them. During this time, I was working and traveling over 200 days a year, and I was also single parenting two young adult children, or almost adult children, if you will. My sister and I arranged for home health care. We arranged for multiple doctor and specialist appointments, wellness checks, salon appointments, physical and occupational therapy, transportation, home maintenance, financial planning, hospice, and we went on probably 20 assisted living tours. Um, and while we did that, we also managed our lives and our work and our children, grandchildren, jobs, spouses. It was it was overwhelming. Yeah, I always say we're this sandwich generation and we're a bologna sandwich. Correct. Correct. It's really hard. <laughs> so it's hard to manage everything. And you, how did you come across Senior Care Authority? How did you find it? Well, what I did was I spent a lot of time thinking about how I could help this group and really how I could help my friends and my peers. Even before I was in this business, my friends would call me, no exaggeration, probably every day somebody told me a story about their parent. And it wasn't because they thought I was looking at this business, it was because I had been through this trial by fire, if you will, but also because that's the age group, that's what happens. And so when I looked at it, I just wanted to find something that I could do that wasn't um, heavy with employees that really didn't have a lot of heavy regulations. So home health care was something I thought about, but that was just 
there was just too much stress involved on my side with that. And I talked to a business coach. I talked to a franchise broker. I talked to hundreds of people, literally hundreds of people, about what were some options. And when I thought about my uh, passage through this fire, I really wished I'd had somebody that could have been um, a coach for me, um, a therapist for me, somebody who could help me navigate this maze and feel like I had done the best for my parents that I could do. And I didn't think there was anybody out there who had been able to do that. And I came across this business idea and found out that there were people who do this that help people navigate the maze. So technically, you saw a white space in the market for this kind of a business, which is usually the most successful businesses that come out. Correct. Not only was there a white space, but it was also, um, it's a growing demographic. So 10,000 people a day turn 65. Hmm. Wow, that's so interesting. So you're basically a professional friend that's an expert on helping you with elder care. Correct. You're a good friend to know. Yes, yes, I am. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about elder care. And I know it's a very confusing time in families that are dealing with sick and elderly parents. And I think one of the things that most people would want to know are about the different facilities that are available for their their elderly parents when they do get sick or have memory loss issues. Can you elaborate on that for us? Sure. You know, there are, uh, there's differences. So it's, what we want to think about now is that it's not our grandmother's nursing home. So we think about a hospital setting. We think about places that we wouldn't want to be. We think about places we wouldn't want to put our parents. But really things have changed. And in 1984 was the beginning of the first use of the word assisted living. And if we think about it that way, it's not a nursing home. It's a place to assist people to live. And that's what we want to think about of where we're helping our parents or our grandparents or sometimes our loved ones um, find a place to live where they can be assisted. There are other places as well, such as memory care, which would be something that focuses on the dementia dynamic of aging, or skilled nursing, which is more of a hospital setting for people who have um, severe illnesses and and have to have nursing care around the clock. But assisted living is a beautiful, wonderful place, and there are times when I'd like to go live there. (laughs) They usually have, sometimes they have them, like, on different floors. They'll have, like, assisted living on one, elder care. Mm -hmm. Are are most of them like that, or are they just purely assisted living places? You know, there are various models. Um, In New York City, it's vertical. We live in a vertical society. So you may have an, what would be termed independent living on a couple of floors where you don't ha- require any assistance. And then you may have assisted living on, on a few floors, and you may have memory care on a few floors. However, there are also places that are purely focused on memory care, and everyone on all floors is a memory care patient. There are others that are purely independent. So there's a variety of ways. Um, in the suburbs or in places that are not vertical societies, they have they may have large campuses that look like college campuses and have the ability to go from one extreme all the way to the other extreme. Something that's important in this world is the, is the freedom and the right to age in place. And that if you go someplace, you have the right to stay there until you are ready to leave or until you die there and so so you don't have to move. Right. So if you go in there and you start out independently, but then your needs change, you Mm -hmm. can move up into a different part of the facility. Correct. So you're not uprooted. Correct. That's that's a great thing. Correct. Yeah, because I think the biggest problem that I have when people look at assisted living, Mm -hmm. they see all the elderly that are really sick Mm -hmm. and they're like, 
I don't want to be associated with that, and they get turned off. Mm-hmm. How do people overcome that, or how do, you know does that? Um, you know, it's interesting. My my father had Alzheimer's, but continually from from and he was in his 80s and when I would go see him he would say to me I don't know why you've put me in here with all these old people now he was kind of joking but he was an old person right. at that time and um, and and that's okay so there is there is this um, stigma and there is um, a way where people push back against it but what I find with my clients is that a lot of the parents um, when you talk with them and when you move them they're grateful they didn't know how to have that discussion with their children in the first place. They were beginning to be afraid at night. They were beginning to be concerned about um, stumbling or falling. They didn't want to cook anymore. They were tired of making their own beds. And so when they began to em- when they embrace it, so many of them are happy and um, and grateful to their children for doing it. So you kind of have to treat them like a child. I know this is good for you, and I'm going to do um, it anyway. <laughs> well, not necessarily, uh, because they are adults, and so they do have a right to make their own decisions. But it's a transition. So is it, um, it, it's a little bit different, but it falls into that transitional role of when you go to kindergarten. Did you really want to go to kindergarten? Did you hang on to your mother's leg? Did you cry? Did you? But kindergarten was good for you. When you went off to college and you had a new roommate, did you really want to hang out with that roommate in the beginning because you didn't really know them? But but you learn and you embrace transition and changes. And assisted living is a transition. It seems like in the best case scenario, it's a collaborative process to get your parents to move into an assisted living facility. It's collaborative not only between you and your parent, but it's collaborative between all of your parents' um, support system, whether it's their neighbors, whether it's your your siblings, whether it's their sisters. Um, I have had people talk to me about moving in um, with their uh, with their old roommate from college. And that they would, they'd like to maybe move in together, and they make it a team thing. Ooh, so, Nancy, we can move in together. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it Something is to look forward to. It's collaborative, but it's collaborative with the whole community. Dealing with elderly parents must um, be a very difficult, and there's probably a lot of guilt from the children when they're making this decision to put them in an assisted living facility. How do you help these children of these older parents feel better about the decisions that they're about to make for their parents? I do a lot of facilitation um, with the family to have discussions. I also... uh, several times will make sure that they have support systems in place themselves. So not only is there support for the for the aging parent, but the children or the people who are making the decision. So remember, sometimes it also could be a spouse that's making that decision. Um, they need support systems. And so I provide a full list of places where they can get the support and try to help them understand. It's a very emotional situation. And it it is uh, emotional they're moving. So think about how emotional it is when you move from a new home or when you renovate a home or when you, um, when your kids went off to college. How emotional was that? So what did you do to find support? I try to help people think of it that way and find support, whether it's professionals or support groups. And you do a lot more than just find a place for them. You help them decorate it. What are the, some of the other services that make your service unique? Sure. So what we try to do is a very concierge, high-touch service where where we are with them from the moment that we meet them until they move in, and we help them find a decorator. What 
We help them find a mover. We help them uh, decide what they're going to take with them. I like to put it into three buckets. We're going to help them find where they're going to go, and we're just going to focus on where they're going to go. And once that decision's been made, we're going to move on to focus on when they're going to go. And once they decide when they're going to go, we're going to then focus on how they're going to go. And so all along that way, we're very supportive. We have a lot of, of people in our network that can do a number of these items and help them. We also, our company, what we do is because we're in these in these um, communities on a regular basis, we stop by and we visit with our clients. So they were clients when we met them, they're clients when we moved them in, and they're clients after they move in. We, we support them, we send them birthday cards, we have lunch with them. Um, we just check in with them because we're in those communities. And do you think, I know, um, for instance, I might have a mother that feels like she doesn't want to go to one of these communities and would rather stay home and have all those services. What's your feeling on that in-home care versus going into one of these I think living. there I think there's a place for in-home care and we also work with our clients if they make a decision after they've toured after we've talked about it they decide they want to stay at home or they want to try to stay at home we also consult with them to find all of those um, those people who need to help them whether it's a visiting doctor visiting dentist whether it's home health care whether it is some people to come in and do some activities with them I believe that when you're at home, you can duplicate what you see in assisted living with the exception of the social interaction. Social social interaction is so important not only to the aging, but to the, the pre-aging, if you will. And when you're in your home, you're just there with your nurse and with the doctor who comes and sees you, but you're not really living, if you will, because you're not spending time with with other people, with your peers. And so assisted living provides that opportunity to be with your with your peers. So you make the decision to go into assisted living. How long does the process usually take from the time that you decide you want to go into assisted living to the time that you could actually move into one of these homes? The service that we provide, we could move somebody and get them placed within 48 hours. Wow. And sometimes that's required. So for example, if... if um, a parent has had an accident and they're in a rehab facility and then it's time for them to go someplace. Sometimes that's a very quick move. We like for people to plan ahead of time before something, before a crisis happens. Um, so we go and we meet with the family and we do what we can, what we call an assessment. We just learn about the family and about, we learn about the family dynamics. Um, we want to know if we've been spending time with one child and another child swoops in and says this is what we're going to do we want to we want to understand that dynamic um, and then we do a tour traditionally with the with the children we take them to see three or four facilities communities and then we will come back and sometimes take the parent to see the one that the that the child has picked because it's very tiring and it can be a really long day to go and see these communities not only with the physicality of it but the emotional piece of it and once that's once that's decided um, it's just a matter of when they're ready to go. There, there are certain um, physical exams that have to be done. You have to have a TB test. You have to have a physical by a doctor. So, but those things are minor, and then you can pack up your things and you can move. So it doesn't take that long of a process from the physical piece of it, the process. It takes that long from an emotional process because it's about just because you've seen a place for your parent and you like it and you've picked it, doesn't mean you're ready to have that conversation with your parent 
doesn't mean you're ready to look at the finances and how that works. We work with people on the finance piece of it as well, on helping them pull all of their things together and find out how they're going to pay for it. But we have a joke in the comedy world that the number one health issue in these old age homes are STDs. <laughs> is that a fallacy or is that true? I- I don't know if it's true, <laughs> but I will tell you that these communities are very, very active. <laughs> I did not know that. And they're very, very diverse. And um, I think my husband's going to join one soon. <laughs> these, these are human beings. They're, they're humans. And, um, and if they were active at home, they're active in these communities. And the communities encourage that. Right. And and want people to again, they just want to assist them in their living, whatever it is. Um, not the same thing, but along that line, you're a drinker and you have a martini every night. You've got a bar in your room. You can set it up and you can have a martini every night, as long as you are not detrimental to the rest of the community and causing a problem. Right. You can have a, your martini every night in so, assisted living. So life goes on. <laughs> life goes on. It's it's the same life. It's um, it's a very active life. When you check back on people you've placed, do you generally find that they're very happy and, and enjoying their new home, or is there a depression and anxiety about the change? The, you know, there is, um, there is, it's very common for depression and anxiety, which is why there is probably, um, that's why there are psychiatrists and therapists who come into these communities on a regular basis. That's just a part of the, the medical plan. I'm sure that these residents are also taking medication for depression so it's just again it's a na- to me it's a natural thing you've moved it's transition you're aging you're imp- you're looking at at your aging situation um so but when i go back and visit with them they're usually uh complaining about the food i'll just tell you you know full transparency they're complaining about the food right doesn't mean that they're not eating everything on their plate when i sit and have lunch with them and these places have chefs, and they're they're wonderful restaurants and bistros and twenty four seven food. It's like in in a in a college dorm life now, where they can get pretty much anything they want. And but they've they've found like minds who are all there, and they talk about what they did when they were younger, and they they talk about what's going on in politics today, and they are very engaged. Are they jumping up and down and happy, and I'm so glad I'm here? I, I don't know that I've seen that yet. Right. So we're in a society now where everyone's, like, planning ahead for their future, and I'm reading about, you know, soon we're going to be able to decide if we should live or die um, and how we want to live our lives. How are people – is there a way for me to plan for my future now and say, okay, the, hire you and say, I want to look for assisted living now? I think that it'd be premature to look for assisted living now, but there are things that you need to do to plan now. And these are things that I see a lot that surprise me that weren't prepared for. Everybody, everyone who has children needs to have a will. And I find that 50% of the people who see me do not have a will. Everyone needs a power of attorney, and they need a health care directive. And you may think, oh, I'm young, and I'm, I'm, I'm active, and my kids don't my kids will take care of me or my husband will take care of me or my spouse will take care of me. You still need to have all of that in place as well as looking at different um, uh, financial products that can help pay for this. Assisted living is, 
can be thought of as very expensive. It's probably not any more expensive than living in your own home and doing things. You, when you go to assisted living, you don't pay maintenance, you don't pay for your food, you don't pay for your housekeeping, you don't pay for your activities. You, so all of those things can roll in. But it, it is um, a daunting, can be a daunting figure. And long-term care insurance is important. Um, are there are certain life insurance policies that have a rider on them to pay for long-term care? I just advise everybody to talk to a financial planner and an attorney as soon as you have children and become an adult, because that will help you in the future when you're doing your planning. So what is the range of price for these different cares from like low to high? Uh, you know, from low to high, can it's according to where you're, what neighborhood you're in, what part of the country you're in. It can go anywhere from let's say $2,000 a month to $30,000 a month. It's also according to what needs what what needs you have. Mm-hmm. Um, once you cross into a line where you need memory care, that's a very expensive component. And it can be almost double what the price would be just for traditional assisted living. But it has to, it's a real estate um, issue a lot because it has to do with where you are. So in New York, it's closer to 30,000. In New York, it's, it, it can be there, yes. How do people find you? People can find me by uh, going to www.seniorcare-newyork.com. Now, I work in New York, but I also work in Florida, and I have a nationwide network that I can help place people anywhere in the country. So Senior Care Authority is has about 45 people that do what I do around the country, and we're very close, and we work very closely together. We work with all of the assisted living brands, all of them from the from the large national corporations to the small regional corporations. Um, and then also in some parts of the country, there is a, what I think of as a newer, uh, a newer way of doing assisted living. And they're more like care homes. So they're smaller. They may have 10 people in them. And those are things you can find those types of opportunities in, in suburban areas. So if you're looking for a place, what are some of the things? It's like I've looked at colleges with my kids. Mm-hmm. I've looked at homes. What what are we looking for? What are some things that people should take note or want or look out for? You want to think about the care. The care is the most important part. So you can go to a community that is brand new and has bells and whistles, but you want to know about the care. And so when you're thinking about care, you want to think about, the people that give you a tour or walk you around or the people that work there, do they look like they're being friendly and do they look like they're caring for the people? Are they ignoring the residents that are there or are they attentive to the residents that are there? Do they know the residents' names? So if my parent is moving into an independent facility and they're in Manhattan and Mm -hmm. it's a vertical facility, like you're saying, do I look at all different parts of this facility? Do I go up to the assisted living part of it? Do I go up to the, the to the nursing part of it? You should. You should look at all parts of it because there's a possibility that in their lifetime, while they're there, they may need all of those places. Um, you want to see, you want to know if it's clean. And you can tell if it's clean by the way it smells. I was going to say that. Yeah. Can we come up with a scent for these places? Because every place I've ever gone into, just they smell terrible. You're not going into the right yeah, places. I think, that, I think that's the way it used to be. That's and I don't think it's the way it is anymore. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it's like the, you're thinking of nursing, the, the, the old-fashioned, old-style nursing homes and assisted livings are more like residential homes. They mm-hmm. don't smell. Yeah, they, they're they nice. Don't, they don't. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. You also want to look at the activity calendar. And 
I know that we think of it as that they're going to play bingo all day. And yes, they do play bingo. But let me just tell you, they have a wild time. And I know there's money being laid out on the table with some bets placed on this. <laughs> um, um, you know, but there are some that they have happy hours. They have people who come in from Juilliard and do not only music for them, but also teach a music class. They have music therapy. I was, I was in a community on Monday. I spent an hour in a drum circle. I've never been in a drum circle. I had a great time in the drum circle. Um, they have pets. You know, you can bring your pets to some of them. You can't. They have pets that come in. If you, if it's a community that doesn't allow pets, they have pets who come in and visit for like pet therapy. You want to look at those activities. I uh, want a pet therapy therapy place. I'm yes, that, I'm going to put that in my will yes. or my living will. I want to be in a place with pet therapy. That's the best. And so those are things you want to look at. And when we're looking at somebody like yourself, like what are we look? What qualities in you are we looking for as a way to assist us through this process? You're looking for somebody who has strong communication skills. You're looking for somebody who is responsive to your call and to your emails. You're looking for somebody who has a very deep network, and you can ask them. So, do you work with any elder law attorneys? Do you have, you know, who's a good podiatrist that my parent might want to use? Have you? Can you look at some places? I'm in Manhattan. It's too expensive. I'd like to look in New Jersey, or I'd like to look in another another county. Do you do you have the ability to help me with that? You want somebody who's very connected in the industry. So you mentioned when you were going through this with your parents that you were sort of in a black hole. Mm -hmm. Do people know about the services that you're offering right now? They do not know about these services as much because this is a relatively new field, and it's. There's, it's really just started on the East Coast, and there have been some people who've kind of dabbled in it a little bit, but not as much as a, making it a business. So we're, I spend my day when I'm not helping families, and I also have a team who help, who works with me, really making sure I'm out getting the word out, doing podcasts or doing mm -hmm. blogging or uh, writing articles, meeting with people. I meet with people all day, every day that are in the field to make sure and get the word out. So you're really shaping this this business. Mm -hmm. I am, definitely. And it sounds like you offer amazing customer service to everybody by providing these extra resources for the families. Well, I I try to treat the families like I wish I had had someone treat me. I never had someone like me who worked with me, but if I'd had someone, I, I try to treat them like I would want to be treated. And it's also working on Wall Street like I did. No one ever came to me and said, thank you so much for helping me with that stock trade. Thank you so much for helping me with that bond. They, This job is very fulfilling to me, to my heart, and that's my encore um my encore career, if you will. It's I wanted to do something that was helpful, and I wanted to do something that I wish someone had been able to do for me. So on my um, bulletin board, I have an article that was written actually by someone who works in one of these assisted living. She, I don't remember her name, but I probably should. But um, it says the top 10 regrets of the dying. She had interviewed all the people in these homes. And she found a lot of inspiration from it. So have you found that working with these people has given you lessons or inspiration or tremendous inspiration uh i have a client that i visited with the other day and she's bed bound and i asked her i said you know do you so you're in the bed what do you do when you're in the bed do you watch tv and she said oh i can't hear very well so i don't want to watch tv and i said well do you read and well i can't see very well so i i don't read a lot 
I said, so what do you do? And she said, I sit and I think about what a beautiful life I have had. And, and I go back and I think about the details of that meal that I had in Vienna. And I think about the details of, of people that were my friends and what we did together and trips we took. And she said, and then when I get finished with that, I think about how much more I have to live and some of the things that I still want to do and some music that I want to hear or a book that I'd like to read when I find my glasses. That was so inspirational to me. And I really wished I could bottle that up and take her with me to visit all of my clients because right. she was so positive about what a great life she'd lived. So wow. those types of things happen to me all the time. That's actually beautiful. It's a beaut- It was a beautiful story. I just just hugged her. I just wanted to wrap her up and take her with me. Would, would you call yourself an old soul? I probably wasn't an old soul, but I feel like I'm an old soul now. Mm-hmm. So you went through the whole empty nesting phase. Mm-hmm. How was that transition for you? That transition was combined with a lot of other transitions, so it was almost on the back burner. But I will tell you a funny story. My daughter, when she was a senior in high school, she came to me and she said, you know, I've been talking to some people and I figured out what your problem is. And I said, what's my problem? And she said, you're going through empty nest syndrome. (laughs) And I said, well, I need to help you understand that empty nest syndrome is when you're gone. (laughs) And when you're gone, I'll be jumping up and down and cheering. And so that's the syndrome I'm looking for. (laughs) You're you're in the teenage living home syndrome right now. (laughs) Yeah, there are are people that have parties when their kids leave, and there are people that are, you know, depressed. Right, right. I also think that... um, I consider myself very healthy and very active, and I enjoy my life so much. And I'm, I'm in a phase of an, being an empty nester. I'm also single, that I love the life that I have now. I love it. I have the ability to work as much as I want to work and help people. I have the ability to travel. I have the ability to put on a face mask and walk around the apartment, and nobody's going to say, what do you have on your face? Right. I have the ability to do what I want, um, which... Maybe that sounds selfish, but I love it. Cynthia, I could just picture you down the road sitting and thinking and appreciating your life. I, I, I would, that, because I, that's kind of the person that I am, but this right. woman just made such an impact on me to hear her talk about that. Cynthia, when you became an empty nester, was it easier for you because you had already been a professional and you technically did not have to reinvent yourself at the point you became empty nested? That's a really good question. Um, I have never thought about it, thought about it that way. But I do now that you mention it. I think I did have an easier time than my friends who had not. Um, I can remember getting a phone call from someone who hadn't worked and had spent the time with their children. And when the second one went, she said, "I'm bored. What am I going to do now?" So I think you're, that's probably a very valid point, that maybe it wasn't as difficult for me from the standpoint that I had a lot to do and always had had a lot to do. But you obviously reinvented yourself because you have a totally new career right now. Correct, correct. So, But I had that freedom to do that. Cynthia, we, we end every podcast asking the following questions from our guests, and we call them modern tips. And I guess we're going to start with travel destination. What is your favorite travel destination or your bucket list travel destination my favorite travel destination is any place that includes a beach and water um, and in fact in my will for my children 
maybe they haven't read it, so if they listen to this podcast, they, they don't have to read this part. I've asked them to make sure that they sprinkle my ashes at a beach and that they have to decide between the two of them where those are going to go. So I love a beach. Nothing wrong with a beach, and you have to make sure there's yoga at that beach, right? <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite beauty product? My favorite beauty product is any kind of potion that I can find online that comes from France or that they even make me believe comes from France that will help my skin be smooth and supple. And we know you like masks that you can and walk around masks. your house with. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my favorite question. What's your, what's your favorite mantra? My favorite mantra, I have two mantras. One is, well, I have a mantra and I have what I would say is my intention. My mantra is just say yes. So if somebody asks me to go do something that I think is the craziest thing in the world, I'm going to go do it. If I think it's it's going to be boring, I go do it. If it's with somebody I'm not sure I'm going to like, I go do it. I just think just say yes opens up a lot of opportunities to enjoy and understand and grow and be what I would say is interesting and interested. I also, um, my intention that I have on a daily basis is just be intentional, be mindful, and whatever I'm doing put all of my intention towards what I'm doing. My mantra was that too for a while, but then my Amex bill went through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> my husband was like, I think your mantra should be just say no just from say now no. on. <laughs> so I need to know, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? The craziest thing I've ever done in my most recent adult life is I went to a wrestling match at Hammerstein Ballroom because somebody asked me if I wanted to go to a wrestling match. Like, you know, like WWF, and right. I had to say yes, because that was my mantra. And it was crazy, and it was really fun. Not that I would ever go back, but it was it was crazy. We've never been. We should do that. You would. I think you would enjoy it. Really? It's an eye-opener. Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast. It was very educational. Basically, if you have any questions you want to ask us, please email us at emptynesters.com. Uh, gmail.com and also make sure to um, at the end of this podcast to rate us and write comments on us that's very important for the podcast uh, again rate give us lots of stars tell us everyone how amazing we are and you should listen to us and I'm Felicia and I'm Nancy and we are Empty, Empty Nesters, Nesters.